Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince, could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince. World-famous disc jock, inventor of the skit in hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. On behalf of the super fans, yeah, cause I'm one, and the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs, cause he has a ton, yeah. And like that, a podcast begun, cause he answered, well, what had happened was. Good morning, Internets. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and I'm here once again with the legendary one and only Mr. Prince Paul. That's right. And this is What Had Happened Was. On this show, we do deep dives on moments in the illustrious career of Mr. Prince Paul. <laughs> he loves he loves hearing how illustrious he is. I know, right? <laughs> What's the proper definition for illustrious? It just means you just wear a cape. That's all it means. <laughs> it's a giant purple cape all the time. I always hear it, but I never know what the exact <laughs> definition is. The project that we're going to talk about today is one of the most ambitious undertakings that's ever happened in the story of hip-hop. And it is your 1999 album, Woo. A Prince Among Thieves. All right, all right, let's back it up, people. Come on, there's no show here. He's still Come bleeding on, fast. So long ago. Yeah. Is there an anniversary coming up for it? 20 years? Is, did it happen already? Yeah, I think it happened in maybe February, somewhere around there. Was there a celebration? I don't know these things until I go on the internet and it goes, released 20 years today. And I'm going, whoa, like I didn't know that. 10 hip hop history accounts tweet at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, I, I don't know any anniversaries of any records. That's sad. That's sad. But, you know, I think it's reflective of how much you live in the moment. Or maybe I'm just a moron. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are the most brilliant moron that ever was. <laughs> so Prince Among Thieves is an album that is also a musical that feels very much like a movie. Would you describe it that way? Well, as I tried to explain to uh, Tommy Boy and at first Russell Simmons, it's like a uh, a movie on wax or kitty record, mm -hmm. you know, for adults. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, harking back to the early, like, uh, turn the page. <laughs> and you hear the little tone. Yeah. This is kind of taking that to the next level where instead of using the turn the page kitty book motif as context around songs, this is to actually make the songs part of a story that has a beginning, middle and end. Yes. Yes. A very, uh, very tedious undertaking. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. So where are you at in your career at this time? I mean, it comes out in 99, Ooh. but it had to take forever Ooh. to put Ooh. this thing together. Ooh. Oh, I went through so much. Now, mind you, uh, I haven't, uh, I, I parted ways with De La, probably uh, starting at the beginning of Stakes is High, which was, I went to Stakes is High. 96 is when it came out. So probably, let's say, 95. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I was going through a custody battle for my son. Okay. Who I talked about, who was just born and while I was making, <laughs> while I was making uh, De La Soul's Dead. Uh, it was a lot to go through. So I really thought it was the end of my career. Mm. I'm at this point where I came out with this record called Psychoanalysis on a friend's label called Word Sound. I had really no real income coming in, uh, not working with De La, not having custody of my son. It was like the this world before, was done. This is before Handsome Boy Modeling School. Yeah, right. yeah. This is uh, this is right before Handsome Boy Modeling School. So, yeah, so I'm going through all of this. Um, weirdly enough, the record I made, Psychoanalysis, got a little buzz. It was a record to end my career. And it, people liked it. Tommy Boy contacted me and said, we want to re-release this off of this uh, label, Word Sound. Can we take the record? I was like, cool. Let's talk with Word Sound. Let's get it on Tommy Boy. With that came an option of, we want, want you to do another record for us hmm. after this one. I was like, well, what kind of record? It's like, whatever you want to do. And that's really saying something after psychoanalysis, because psychoanalysis is an album with no rules. My mother taught me I used the whole chicken. The secret is cooking it alive. <laughs> oh no, it's it's horrible. <laughs> it, it was I made that record with the intention of my career knowing my career's ending. I was like, if my career's gonna end, I'm gonna go out the way I wanna go wow. out. I had no budget, no friends. <laughs> that record is no budget, no friends friendly. <laughs> that's like, that's what it was made out of. And out of, uh, I don't know, by the grace of God, I it, it made opportunity. Mm -hmm. It made the my relationship with uh, Tommy Boy to make um, A Prince Among Thieves and also develop the relationship with Dan the Automator for Handsome Boy and well as me uh, meeting Chris Rock. Wow. All off of psychoanalysis. All off of psychoanalysis, wow. which is probably the most bizarre record I've ever made. So you end up taking that album to Tommy Boy, and they give you the option to do whatever you want. Yeah, but check it out. Tommy Boy was going through a period where they were just like manufacturing, like you know, formulaic records. You know, what like you know, it's like this is the radio, this is this, and we're signing these people. It, you know. Psychoanalysis was there for something fun for the staff to do. You know, so mm. I wasn't there to really sell records. Right. I was there to like, now we get a chance to use our more creative side. Let's put Paul's record out. Paul put another record out. They won't say this, but I remember them kind of mildly telling me, well, Paul will put out another record. We'll just have fun. We'll just be creative. We'll get a chance for the, you know, the art department who usually does everything with a, with a stamp. You right. know, and just to factory. actually think. Right. Yeah, they're like the rest of the yeah, factory made to actually think and be creative because, you know, Paul's that type of artist. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they were really prepared with what, what I was going to do. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was, I wanted to take this opportunity and seize the moment. And what year did this, did this idea start? It literally started, and, and I'll talk again about Doodoo -Doo Man Records. <laughs> When I had my label uh, with Russell Simmons and Leo Cohen in 91, um, I, I'm sure Russell will not remember this. I approached him because um, I needed concepts for, for the albums. And I was like, yo, Russell, I want to make uh, like a movie on wax. I want to make like a kiddie record, and, but for adults. And he said, eh, demo it. I was like, I, I can't demo it. You have to trust me and give me a budget. Right. I can do it. Eh. So I, it, I, it just... It's like, I can't do it. Did you have the story written around that time or conceptualized? No, I just had the idea of what I wanted to do. Gotcha. Um, and then 
when I had to deal with Tommy Boy and he said, do whatever you want to do. I was like, finally, I get a chance to do this. And then I started writing. Mm -hmm. um, I went to the library. Um, when I did, I was I went on tour with um, with uh, doing psychoanalysis. I wrote a bit then. I, uh, actually, no, I take that back. I started writing the concept before I got offered the deal. I was this was a, a work in progress right after psychoanalysis. Gosh, um, even though I didn't really see any promise or any future in music, I was <laughs> I was still creative, and I started writing it. I still have the, the original script, the handwritten script. What was the original story based on? At the time, it was based on just, you know, good and evil. Mm -hmm. Simple story, you know. Um, good and evil, uh, two MCs. Um, one is kind of naive, which I kind of saw myself as, and one kind of taking advantage of the other and using the other. Come to find out later on that as listening back and looking at that album uh, when I was going through that uh, custody of my son it was really a, a story about that underlyingly mm. it was me being the, the good guy of course <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to say the rest <laughs> you know and and it that's really what I was it was a very emotional time and it, the writing helped and that's how it came out to be I was like the, the, the bad always wins and the good guy loses We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. Walk us through like the overall story beats. Like you start out with our naive protagonist and what happens? Uh, start out, uh, he obviously just like most kids just want to make a record mm -hmm. uh he has a friend who um has been at it at a long time but never was successful he's been rhyming for a long time yeah been okay. rhyming yeah. sorry for a long time never has been successful so the younger guy asks, asks the older mc for his help the older mc eventually uh you know asks for him help so he can make a demo for the wu-tang mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh you know the 
older MC seizes this opportunity to take advantage of the young guy, steal his demo, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Steal his contact, mm-hmm. get a record deal, kills him at the end, and, <laughs> and he <laughs> makes, and, and to, you know, at insult to injury, makes a record about his friend dying after right. he killed him. Oh, my God. You know. That's a radio hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a radio hit, you know. And he goes on to make all this money, and the poor guy uh, initially uh, just dies with wow. no recognition. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His family hates him. <laughs> family hates point. him. Yeah, I mean, you know, because he set him up. He set him up to look bad. He set him up to make him think, make people think that he had a drug problem, mm-hmm. that he was all types of, you know, certain ways. And... That's what I went through. I went through everybody hating me and thinking, (laughs) it was me. (laughs) It was me. Oh, my God. It seems like a simple story, but it it uh, it 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 was complex in my life. I'll tell you that. I mean, but the way you laid it out, I mean, especially when you tell it like that, it is kind of simple. Like there's this naive guy we're kind of following and rooting for. And this other guy who he thinks is his friend just hatches this plot. That completely destroys his life in every conceivable way. <laughs> he lost his girl. His mom doesn't believe him. Like, yeah, like everything goes bad mm-hmm. for for uh, our main character. And uh, yeah, man, like I said, I wrote that and I'm looking like, yeah, I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, that was that was. Uh, and that was my first time actually writing anything full length like that, any type of script. And I remember uh, talking to Chris Rock because I just started um, working with him mm-hmm. on the first record, Roll With The New. And I know he wrote CB4. Uh, and I asked him, I was like, well, I'm about to write the script. Any advice? And his advice was, know what your ending is. Mm. And then write towards that. And I was like, that's brilliant. So I took it literal. <laughs> I mean, intentionally, and I wrote the ending in the beginning. Right. And I still the, wrote towards it. Right. You put the ending in it first. Right. And it worked backwards. Yeah. And that's uh, and that was very, very helpful because it, it gave me a guide and a structure on what was going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's the ending? What, how, you know, how can I reach this part? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that it was it was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I should have wrote more in my life, but I just haven't. <laughs> you know? There's always time, Paul. There's always time. Um, so, I mean, you, you wrote the story out, but you didn't write, at least you wouldn't get the impression that you wrote every individual rhyme on the album. It seems like no. the contributors themselves wrote the rhymes. So how much of the overall story had you written out while still leaving some room for the Oh, I wrote the entire thing and then there was gaps for song here. Gotcha. And I would tell the artist, now, man, all the artists that I got on the album to play parts, mm-hmm. you know, um, I would never give, except the main characters. Only the main characters had the full script. I only gave the part of the script for the other characters just their parts. Why and didn't I, you want to give them the full script? Because I was, I didn't want nobody to bite my idea. Okay. You know, it, it, whether it was a story or just the idea of making this record in general, because it's right. never been done before. So I was like, I want, well, at least in hip hop, it hasn't been done. So I, I was very secretive on mm-hmm. how I wanted this to go, you know, to go about everything. And all I remember, they're like, I was like, yeah, you played this, uh, like, for example, let's say uh, Everlast. Mm-hmm. You played this, uh, this, this cop, he's racist, he's this, he's that. 
I need a song about that. Here's the beat and here are the lines. So he's not reading against anybody. He's just reading the lines. Gotcha. And then later on, I matched it up against the other lines. Like I sampled everything, one line after the next line, after the next line, after and sampled. You, and you put it all together rather than having them record together and have yes. a conversation. You put it all together. Exactly. So they had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, anyway, I got your resume faxed to me this morning. Resume? Shh. I see you come with outstanding merits. See. You work well with people. So they had no idea what they were talking about. They just knew that the lines, like, come here, punk. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay, can you get that one more time, just a little more aggressive? Come here, punk. Yeah, that's good. Next, next line. So when it came to casting, did you write this with certain people in mind? Or were you just really like getting all the ideas down and were open to looking and seeing who would fit the bill? No, I had people in mind and I couldn't and I didn't get everybody who I initially thought of. Now, this is is a very interesting story. Uh, Like the the evil character that I had initially that I wanted was Chino XL. Interesting. And I gave him a call. Uh, I don't know if he will even remember this. I gave him a call. I was like, yo, because I was a fan. I I love Chino Mm -hmm. XL. But I think the problem I had at the time was the distance because he lived, I think he was living. He wasn't in Jersey then. He'd moved somewhere down south or somewhere, somewhere far. And then the other part is every time I brought his name up, everybody, oh, him. I was like, I guess he is disliked. It would be perfect, (laughs) but it it made it difficult. It made it difficult for people business-wise to get on board maybe because they didn't necessarily want to be down with him. I wouldn't say he was that blacklisted or Mm -hmm. anything like that, but it was just like, eh. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a little more difficult. Um, Then at one point I was like, yo, I wonder if I can get Biggie. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes, even more interesting story. Um, around that time, now, mind you, I, I this record came out in, what, 99? But I started recording and writing it in 97. You know, yep, in 97. Took that long for it to come out, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get Biggie. I was pr- doing promotion f- for um, the last grave, was it Grave Diggers? When did my last Gravedigger record come out? 97 was Pixar. Yep. Deep. There you go. See? So, 97, um, Gravediggers, we go and we do promotion for the Pick, Sickle, and, and Shovel in L.A. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to all the radio stations. At the time, Biggie was there. And he was doing um, some radio promotions and stuff. He just got into an accident. Um, I think in a car accident, him and Lil C. So, he, he had a cane. a cane. And this was the time of the... Um, Soul Train Awards mm-hmm. thing. So my thing was, I saw him there. I saw him at the radio station briefly. And I'm like thinking, okay, the Soul Train Awards is coming up. It was like a day, two days later. I'm going to I'm gonna see him there. I'm just going to roll up and I'm just going to talk to him and see if I get him on this album, on this, this concept I have. It's You're going to talk to him at the awards? At show. the awards. Because this, this is so far-fetched. Well, it, 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 you know, I... It doesn't hurt to ask. Did you know him before that? Or? No, no, not not at all. Like, we have done shows together. There's been on the bill, Gravediggers, Biggie Small, Craig Mack. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we've crossed paths, but I didn't know him like that. But now I had a formal introduction at the radio station. Right. So now I'm going to get the guts up. So I go I go to, um, I, 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 that night, <laughs> I'm going to expose a lot. But that night, I end up hanging out with someone mm-hmm. special. Okay. So, and that this was the, is night, the of, night of the awards. Show. The night of Soul Train Awards. My thing was, I didn't have a ticket 
but I'll see him outside. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'll just like, you know, I'll be to get there early and I'll catch up. Principal, I got a little bit of juice. Maybe right. I can, you know. Um, I got caught up. I get a call. Mm. Boy Newkirk calls me up. You heard what happened to Biggie? What are you talking about? And I'm like laid up chilling. He got he got killed. He got shot. I'm like, what? And I'm thinking to myself, what if I was that guy at the at the van? I mean, at the SUV. Yo, man, I got this. Boom. Right. You know, because I'm trying to catch him outside. That could have easily been exactly what happened. You know, thank God for who I was hanging out with. (laughs) (laughs) Who I thanked all the time. (laughs) Thank you so much. So it that was who I wanted on the album. Biggie would have been my next. you know, if I could get a villain and could afford him, right. you know, I really wanted him on the album. Um, the the main character, True, has always been Breeze Bruin because I, I love Breeze Bruin. I think he's he's very underrated MC. Uh, I was supposed to work with him uh, some years back when he was signed. Uh, just didn't work out. Um, I'll tell you some people I wanted to get uh, that I didn't get. I, I wanted to get Vanilla Ice. To do what character? To be in the, in the jail scene. Okay. Uh, but his, his manager... Um, I don't know. I guess he didn't trust me. I was like, yeah, I want to get, why do you want him? It was like real touchy. I'm he was like, doing the rebrand at the time, right? Yeah. V-Ice and he was all over MTV being angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I tried to catch him at a show. He was in Long Island for him at the Dave and Busters. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going I'm to go to the show. I couldn't get near him. You know, so that never happened. Um, I wanted to get um, Lou Rawls. Talk to his manager to, to sing um, um, um um, in the mood for love. Yeah, the mood like, for Lou, love. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get Lou Rawls, right? I talked to his manager. I'm like, hey, you know how you doing? This is Prince Paul. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is Prince Paul. Um, I worked with Dale. I had to get my whole thing. Worked with Dale La Soul. Mm-hmm. I just finished uh, a record with Chris Rock. That at that point just won a Grammy. They won a Grammy and da da da. He's like Chris Rock. Mm, he's not funny. Whoa. You know who's funny? Sinbad. <laughs> now he's a funny comedian. Automatically, I knew I was on the wrong foot. Yeah, you know, needless to say, it didn't happen. <laughs> But I, I mean, I think we're all better off for that because Newkirk's version of Moody Moves Love, that is Newkirk singing. Yeah, that's Newkirk. That's, that's my boy. fucking incredible. And, and and that was a demoed out version because I tried to get this guy named Derek Lovelace. Okay. <laughs> who, Sounds like a wonderful singer. <laughs> yeah, I tried to get Derek Lovelace, but he didn't know the song, couldn't sing it. So the demoed out version of Newkirk just, you know, as a reference, uh, stayed on the album. Yeah, he murdered it, though. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, that's my boy. I've known since he was 14. Yeah, man. You know? Um, Going back to Breeze, who plays Tyreek, the main protagonist, where did you first come across Breeze? Because I always knew Breeze is, like, one of the best illists ever, but he was always very underground. Yeah. The Juggernauts was signed, I think, to, this is around the time they did Clear Blue Skies and mm-hmm. all that, was signed to, it might have been Mercury. It's one of those labels. Okay something like that and the young lady who um was the A&R I had met she had worked at Tommy Boy at one point so we had a relationship as far as that's concerned and she said I got this group called the Juggernauts would you like to like they have some existing material maybe you could remix it or or you know add more production to it they gave me a tape of the album which snapped on me but because I played it so much wow um 
And I was like, oh my God, this guy is incredible. Record never came out. The album never came out. But I held on to that tape. This was like early 90s. Mm-hmm. Whenever Clear Blue Skies came out around that time, I held on to that tape and I played it and played it. I was like, yo, one day I'm going to find a project and I'm going to work with this guy. Now, you know, my career went to a serious lull for a long time. <laughs> so that project never came about, but it finally did. And it was this one. I remember calling him up. His girl at the time picked up the phone. I was like, it's Prince Paul. Um, can I speak to uh, Breeze? Um, and first, his girlfriend, like, who? <laughs> Prince Paul. Long story, they didn't believe it was me. Wow. You know, saying eventually, they, you know, it was nice to feel special. Like, wow, it's really you. Uh, I, I think he was working at a place in, um, in Yonkers at the time at this children's home. It was like a, for, for kids or whatever. And I was like, yo, I want to make this record. And would you be down? He's like, yeah, I'll be down. And we met up. We clicked. And we're still, I'd seen him not too long ago. We're still cool to this day. That's what's up. Yeah, so he he was definitely one of the guys I wanted to get. I mean, he's one of the best ever. And I think that, you know, one of the brilliant things about casting him is how good he is at getting so much story across in the rhyme. But the rhyme is still super dope. Yeah. He never sacrificed no complexity you know what I mean? Yeah. And just, just the, Ill, the illness of the way he would come with his cadences and his patterns. All of that was still super on point and everything is pushing the story forward. Yeah, he, he knew exactly what to do. And he, him having the, uh, I guess, the, uh, I guess being privy to the uh, script, mm-hmm. that, 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 helps. That, that helped a that whole helps. lot too, you know? And he, yeah, he, he was on point, man. It was definitely a wise decision. And our conversations made me feel comfortable in making him the main character. And then when it came down to um, True, who was the older MC, I had, there was a group called Horror City that mm-hmm. lived in Amityville. And I, I just always loved my man. His name is Shah. I always loved his voice. Mm-hmm. And I knew that since I didn't have any audio, I mean, video, Everything was heavily based upon voices. Voices would have to carry the vibe of how you felt about the person. Right. And his voice was raspy. It was easy to make him the villain. You know, just based upon his voice. Oh, shit. See, Cypher. Yo, what's, co- what's going on, yo? What the fuck? You know how Jake be pulling a brother over because he got a fat whip? True. It's all right. I got it. Breeze has voices a little light. Right. You know, a little softer. So I always had to be cognizant and aware of voices and sounds and how it made you feel. So in terms of, of the protagonist, his voice being lighter and then Shah's voice being an antagonist, his being darker and yes. just thinking about, you know, painting your pictures with those two voices, yeah. and light and dark. Voice is everything for me. I mean, I've not dated women based on their voice. They could be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, boy, how you doing? I was like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're beautiful, but I can't date you. Sound like you smoke too many cigars. Man. Maybe so. <laughs> but I can't do it. So you said you wouldn't have any video. You'd only be dealing with audio. Yeah. Well, I sold it to Tommy Boy like this. Master P came out with that I'm about it movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, we can, I'll record this, but let's make a movie out of it. Right. Low budget. I don't need it. Next to whatever it would cost to film it at the time. Give me that. Mm-hmm. You know? Remember, my record is a for fun record. Mm. They, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, Paul, yeah, we'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just go make your little record, you know. Okay, but I'm still thinking like, yeah, come on, Tommy Boy Films, let's get it done. The best I can get was the video that's out there that's a little chopped. 
bits and pieces of the idea of what I wanted to do. So Tommy Boy had a film division? No, not okay, at all. Tommy I was Boy trying to okay. push for them to, to do that. I was like, this be cool. I mean, you know, Master P's thing was really pieced up, man. Yeah. It was really low budget. I was like, I, I just want to make something like that. I got a better story than Master P. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have all these people in it. What? And how dope that'll be? And it's going to go into rhyme. And right. oh, my God. Then you could pull videos out of it. I had a whole thing planned out. They didn't see the vision. You know, it, yeah, it, you know, we could reverse time. I'm sure they, they would change their mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was something that came with marketing materials because I had a radio show at the time at the college I was at. And so we got like the promo version of the album to play on the air. But I felt like something said that this was going to be a movie. Yeah. So I felt like I was coming into it with that expectation. Yeah. And so it's so interesting to hear that they were never on board. Like that they never like they they probably printed that on something, but were never actually on board with creating. Because I was trying to talk them into it. Yeah. I was still in. It was like, it was the idea was there, and I was pushing towards it. But I don't. You know, I can honestly say I don't think they they believed in in the project. They believed enough to put it out. But not en enough to support the mm -hmm. idea because it was just so. Think how radically different it was from anything. You know, Absolutely. I, I kind of get where they were coming from, but I was hurt that they were just blowing money on like these groups that wasn't doing anything. That you know, what I'm saying I'm trying to push the bar. I made you money before in the past. I have a pretty good track record. You know, like make me more than just something for the creative staff to do right you know what i'm saying i got a, a cool idea i'm not trying to spend up all your money you just gave a million dollars to sex mob or whatever they signed at the time. that's the name of the group no way yeah uh, sex mob i don't think the record ever came out that's yeah. no fault to the group but i'm like man can i just get like some of that just so i could just make this movie give paul a little sex mob right? yeah man just give me a hundred thousand i'll find somebody to shoot it you mm -hmm. know but it just never happened so it is a brand new idea. Like, yeah. nobody's ever done this. I, I, Not that I could think of. So when it came to getting all these collaborators, and you got Cole Keith on here, you got Biz Marquee on here, uh, did you have to talk anybody into it, like, extra hard? Nope. Everybody was down. You know, at the time, though, though they're all great MCs, you know what I'm saying? And this is not to disrespect anybody. And this is, and I'll put myself in this category, we were all not A-listers at that time. Right. So it was easier to get those people. Some based on past relationships that made it easier because, you know, I've worked with them or either knew them. Or just the fact that, you know, at the time, maybe their career wasn't at its highest point. Mm -hmm. So I had to be aware of that, too. Like, I, my budget is, is limited. Like, I don't know what I made this album for. Maybe I had $100,000 to make the album, maybe a little less. Um, and that's to pay everybody, studio and myself. And, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of artists, right? So it, a lot of it was just cold calls. Like, I have no manager. It's me calling everybody. No manager? No manager. Wow. I called everybody, got the numbers. Hey, what's up? This is Prince Paul. Hey, man, how you been? Da, da, da. I'm doing this record. Da, 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 da. Would you be interested? How much do you want? Okay, I could work that out. Uh, you know, which information? Da, da, da. I did everything. Got the clearances. Everything. Wow. You know, I, I couldn't afford to have <laughs> hire anybody. It sounds like that made it kind of a stressful project then. It, it made it not. It was stressful to piece it together more so more so than the relationships. I think the, the good part of calling everybody is one, they know you're real. Mm -hmm. the, um, 
you get, I got more insight on everybody and conversation that made it more comfortable when we got into the, into the recording situation. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, anytime I record anybody, I want to sit and develop some type of rapport. So we're not in there and I'm not scared to tell you that you're whack. Right. You know what I'm saying? I have to be comfortable and you have to be receptive to, I'm telling you you're whack or yeah. I'm telling you you're great. Right. So, you know, what better to get all the money out the way, get all the stuff out the way, how your kids, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And now we're in the studio and now we're just chilling and laughing and, and getting things done. And it's business time and you can say what you got to say. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for any album, I think that's very, very important. Well, what had happened was... So what was the recording process like for this? Woo! A big part of it, I recorded the music and stuff in the house. Like I had all the music, everything done in the house. So all the beats. All the beats. The interlude music. Everything w w was done. I would take the, uh, I think I had ADATs back then, an ADAT machine. So I would take the ADAT tapes, find a studio that was ADAT friendly, the cheapest studios I could find, that $20 an hour, because I didn't want to invite everybody over the house. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, because at that time, I was... Uh, because of my situation, uh, I was living in the basement of the house that I bought my mom. And mm -hmm. it, that was my bedroom. That was my studio. Everything. That was crickets that was jumping <laughs> around. You know, it, it was a tight situation. So it wasn't a, a, a optimal place it to wasn't record the people. the most glamorous Not at all. thing to show. So I found all the cheapest studios and I would invite people to the studio to record. I was like, look, you know, um, I'm at such and such studio in Manhattan. So you probably never heard it before. That's fifteen dollars an hour. Does these times work for you? And I did that with everybody. And you're scheduling this, and you're showing them. Are you recording them too? Yes, I'm there every single time. I'm there. I you know whatever in house engineer is there. You mm -hmm. know, but I'm more or less you know I have a degree in engineering, so I was kind of telling what to do. If not, I'd session. sit. Yeah, do it myself. You know, but yeah, and that's what it was. It was just taking an ADAT, recording it. Um. Recording whatever, you know, the rhymes on the music and then having a separate ADAT tape with just the dialogue mm -hmm. and recording that dialogue. So you recorded the collaborations at different studios around yeah. the city. So where did you finally oh, put... Oh, and at Newkirk's house. At Newkirk. Who lives in Queens. Okay. Yeah. So where did you finally sit and put Ooh. everything together? Ooh, and in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I flew out here to record Everlast and Cool Keith. It was the same session. Okay. Actually. Wow. Um, Exhibit was in New York. Exhibit, did Exhibit come to New York? No, Exhibit was there too. Okay. It was all three of them. I'd record the same day. Exhibit Everlast Cool. That's a hell of a day. Yeah. That's a lot of different energy right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and hey, man, I didn't have that much money. I had to get it done. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, once I got all the stuff together, that room I told you with the crickets mm -hmm. and my bed and, and my studio all in one spot, I would sit there. In front of a, uh, uh, there's no computer. I did everything with samplers. The only thing I used the computer for was sequencing. Mm -hmm. And that was to make the samplers uh, talk to, you know, like arrange the music. Right. And I used a sequencing pre uh, program called Master Tracks Pro 6, maybe? Master Tracks. And I used uh, S950s and ASR10. Mm -hmm. And I pieced line for line. So when I had to listen to all the takes of all the lines I did, pick the best one, sample it, put it where it belonged, find the other line that goes with that one, find the best take, sample wow. it. 
I put all of the lines together back to back to back to back. And then I had to figure the scoring as far as like the music in the background. Okay, let me lay the, you know, the violins come here. Okay, now the beat comes. It was a lot of work without having Pro Tools, mm-hmm. without having a computer, you know, uh, a, I mean, a, a audio recording computer, that right. is, you know. You, um, like I said, you have a bunch of, bunch of guests on here. Um, but one very important thing to note is you work with De La Soul. Yes. On his album. Yes. And this is kind of like a reunion. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's weird. Like the parting of De La Soul and I, it was just very bizarre. You know, I might talk about that some other time. But I think the the people at large made it more so than what it was. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we, it was, you know— Amical breakup. Like, okay, this isn't working. Da, 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 da. But everybody's like, man, you got a beef with Dela? Yo, Dela got a beef with you. Yo, I heard y'all got beef. And then it got to the point where they were like, do we have a problem? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> do we have a, and, and they were asking me if we had a I'm like, no, I thought we were cool. Right. And so this was an opportunity for me to say, can we, aside, I know I'm not working on your music, you're not doing, but can you do this for me? I'll pay you. Right. <laughs> when all us fails, I'll pay you. <laughs> and then, so what, what was that experience like, though, getting back in the studio with them? Uh, it, w- it was fun. You know, um, it's not like how I remembered. You know, they're, they're older at mm-hmm. this point. You know, obviously, we're all older. But, you know, we kind of recorded at separate times, you know, where, as before, we kind of sit together and record. And, but, you know, it was fun doing the doing the skits and stuff, right. them being the crackheads. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Chris Rock is a crackhead. Oh, yeah, too. yeah. yeah. Got, that's right. I got Chris Rock on there because I just well, I was fresh off of working off the Chris, uh, that first album with Chris Rock. So, yeah, that that was fun. Another really special collaboration on here was that you got Big Daddy Kane. Kane, yeah. To do a song on the album. And for me just where I was in my hip-hop journey at the time, like, you know, I remember Kane from when I was a little kid, you know, like, ain't no half-stepping shirt open. Oh, yeah, man, you Kane know, was the man. High-top fake Kane, but, like, I was too young to really, you know, I wasn't a fan, because I wasn't a fan of anything. I was stupid, ooh, you know I what I mean? Ooh, I feel old. You said he was a kid. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> and, and, and you're talking about, like, he's silly. You know <laughs> So I can tell you, man, this is a guy, man. It's cool, you know. I mean, because really, at that at that age for me, right? Right. It was just like images. You would see images of people, because right. most rap sounded exactly the same to me at, at that time. <laughs> right, right. You know Understandable. What I mean? But then he kind of was off the scene for a while. Yeah. And so him being on here was like, Wow, this is like a big reintroduction of Big Daddy Kane, um, and in in terms of uh, you know me paying attention to hip hop at that time, and then you know he would go on to do like more collaborations and be more visible, and now I feel like he's just he's he's not everywhere. But Can you like, tell Kane that the yeah. next time if you ever talk to him, <laughs> tell him how important this feature was. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but that's part of part of my question is is did he see this as an important reintroduction to people because he had been off the scene. I don't think so. Hmm. Because, you know, nobody knew what I was doing. I give him a piece of a script. It's Prince Paul. He's a weirdo. You know, he had some sex successful before, but it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. He did a comedy record that did really well. But what what have you done lately, Prince Paul? <laughs> you know, it's like I, I was puffy coming to him. It's like, yeah, and he was like, whoa, now he's really seeing a future and, you know, a shiny suit video and stuff. He <laughs> right. just saw it like, okay, some underground stuff. Um, my thing with Kane was 
I'm a fan. Whoever I, 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 I'm working with, I like to be a fan. I'm a fan of the music and how can I get the best out of you? And I only hear you one way. Mm-hmm. So just like you said, like people haven't heard Kane in a while. You got to be dope. Plus, this is my record. This isn't right. your record where you could probably, man, this is, I'm good. You know, this is my record. I hear you one way. Do it again. Wow. Do it again. Do it again. Nope. Do it again. <laughs> Yo, you see the frustration, you know what I'm saying? But I think at the end of the day, he was really appreciative of how it came out. Because mm-hmm. it, it, you know, people like, Yo, Kane sounds dope. They were playing on the hip hop shows at night, you yeah. know, that little part. And I recently had another beat for him um, that I thought would be better, but he heard this one and chose it, which he was right. Mm-hmm. He, he even reminded me, yo, see, I told you this beat was going to work. You know, so <laughs> I was like, I'm ready. So I was like, all right, cool. He was right. And it, it and it worked and he sounded dope and it was enough for, you know, I think uh, somebody hit me up or it might have been Cool G Rap and was like, you want to work with? No, I thought he, Cool G Rap hit me up. It was somebody who represented him. Mm-hmm. Yo, we heard what you did for Kane. What, you know, we worked Cool G Rap. You know, so I, you're right. I did somewhat reintroduce him. I'm not sure if Kane feels that way or uh, acknowledge that. But yeah, man, I wanted Kane to sound like Kane. Mm-hmm. Kane is dope. Smooth Kane. What? Yeah. He, he's a pimp. He's Count <laughs> Macula in the story. Count Macula. Count Macula. Proof that it's work. I'm a dime a dozen, baby. You also work with Chub Rock here. I don't know how long he took to write this, or if it was freestyle or whatever. Oh, Chub Rock I, is, is, is is incredible. I mean, this. I mean, just you know, he's he's uh, Mr. Large. Yeah, Mr. Large. Yeah, yeah and he comes and he comes in the the crime boss, but he kicked this little rhyme. Give me a beat. Yeah, yeah, tells Miss Marquet <laughs> to give him the beat, and he kicks this this ill rhyme. And then it's not too much after this where you know I guess you and him have the falling out. I didn't have a problem with him until he decided not to pay me my money. <laughs> <laughs> then it became a problem. Is 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 there a quick way to tell that story? There's no quick way to There's tell no that story. There's no quick way. That, so, that story, I don't even know if I could even tell it. I, I would just say the bottom line is that uh, he owes me money. <laughs> okay. but, it, but it's not the money. The money is very small. It's just the, the principle of it, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he was a friend. <laughs> Crying again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, Chub Rock is dope. Like, despite whatever our differences are, I would never take away that he is incredible. Yeah. And as I say again, I try to get people who I'm fans of, you mm-hmm. know, and some or they influence me in some way. And I always thought Chub Rock was really so underrated. Oh my God, as a lyricist, you know, he's never mentioned. And then yeah, and then you know, lyricism, but also like delivery and presence, all of that. See, and I told you again, like this is audio. Hey, Chub Rock, he has to be the kingpin. Yeah. I'm thinking of the kingpin on Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. And the, you see it. When you hear exactly. the rhyme, you see it. Exactly. Yeah. So all of this, I had to be very aware mm-hmm. of who was doing what. Even Biz with his henchmen. Okay, boys. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's little things in there, too. You know, it's Mr. Large. It, I, I got um, Buckshot Shorty on there. He's, he's, hey, yo, it's Mr. Large. And I got... Uh, Special Ed in the background, too. Are you too. serious? I had oh, no idea that oh, was Oh, yeah. I got a lot of people in there, man. Wow. Yeah, they're just playing little little lines here and there. Yo, yo, yo. Hit, yo, chill. Here comes Mr. Large, yo. Yo, what happened to the beat? 
Yo, Die Hard, give me a beat. Okay, boss. Well, and, and that kind of gets into something I was thinking about, too, and, and something you kind of touched on with Kane. But, like, given that this story was completely all laid out already, and you knew right. exactly where you wanted to go. And in this case, now learning that some of the MCs that are involved don't even know what the whole story <laughs> oh, no, is, no. right? <laughs> oh, I got a story about that later, I'll tell you. But um, was it difficult for some of these rappers to take direction in terms of, like, let's say they was doing something, and you was like, mm, they don't really go with the story. Did you have to hit anybody with, law? I need you to rewrite this? It's funny you say that. Yes. Um, I, I, Sadat X, when, when I was doing the, uh, the jail song, um, he had, his rhymes really didn't fit, you know? Um, and maybe that was my fault. Maybe I didn't give him a good enough description mm -hmm. of what I needed, but I had him to come and rewrite it and he didn't have a problem. He's like, oh, okay, I understand. So cool, man. It's nice when... Dudes put their egos aside. And they get it, and they see, they're trying to support your vision. Exactly. You know, and with a little bit of information I gave him, he's like, oh, okay, now I see the the, the point of view you want. And he wrote it, and it worked out perfectly. And it worked in well with um, Exhibit and uh, Kid Creole, who's, mm -hmm. I think, in jail now, unfortunately. Damn. Oh, you were about to say a story a second ago. Oh, I think it was about, oh, the art, the them not knowing what it was about. Yeah. <laughs> I did this thing for BET. BET was like, yeah, uh, yeah, we're covering Prince Paul's album, da da da. And so they went to Newkirk's house and they're filming. And I had um, Kane there, I think Special Ed and whoever else. And they're asking about the album or about making the record. And they're like, and they didn't know anything about it. So they couldn't properly answer it. They was just answering like just generic answers. Like, what do you think <laughs> about the story? I think it's it's dope. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a look on their face like they had no clue of anything. That's hilarious. Up until it was released. You know what I'm saying? So imagine they don't know what role they play. You know what I'm saying? They kind of have an idea, but they didn't know anything. So they were, I put them in a really bad situation, <laughs> man. You know, and I apologize 20 years later. <laughs> so the label's paying 100K to get this thing made, right? About that, yeah, I don't Man. remember exactly. I'm putting. I'm. I have to bring. I'm sorry. I'm about to start looking up contracts because <laughs> of you. Well, the people want to know. The people, I mean me. Um, <laughs> as the process of you dealing with the label and putting the album together, are you bringing them songs as you're making it, or are are you I just refused. waiting? I refuse to. I, I no. I, I no no. I'm lying. I think I might have played one or two out of context. And I remember being in, in the, in the now, now I'm thinking about it. And they were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's your favorite response. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. But I was like, yo, it, it goes along and there's this story. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. But the the biggest point was when it was done and I played it for them. Oh, my God. Oh, it, it, all, all I remember is, you know, the album's kind of lengthy. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm proud of it. It's done. Everybody's in the in the meeting room, and all you hear is, "I'll say this again." Okay. Um. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, do what do you think?" My eyes all like, "What?" Now this is this is after the whole like a, it's, it's an hour seventeen minutes all told. Yeah. Are you stopping in between? Nope. I, you got to feel it from beginning to end, and mm -hmm. I'm thinking I made something that you can. Rock with from, from beginning to end. I made this thing for if you took a flight, if you were like on a train, right. you you know, you're in a car ride or something. I made it so you can 
just you know just zone, zone out, out and, and you know and, and listen to this movie yeah and so i'm thinking like you know just zone out and i didn't see too much people you know, thank god it wasn't the day of the smartphone because i probably oh, lost gosh. them a long time ago but they're like uh, yeah okay that was in 98 february mm-hmm. it sat on the shelf of tommy boy for one solid year and oh. came out 99 so meanwhile i'm thinking i got this incredible record and I'm thinking, like, at any time, anybody can make the same thing. Oh, my right. God. So I'm nervous at the same time. Right. They they clearly didn't get it. You know, so it was like, yeah, well, you know, it was kind of disguised as, we got to find a special way to put this. <laughs> you know, well, let's take our time and make sure that we give it, its, you know, just needed attention. To mm-hmm. make, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, can we just put the record out? Like, uh, uh. But it sat for a year, literally for a year. Did they come up with any kind of special way to put it out no, after all that time? No, nah, it, it, you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, to their credit, I did do the run of, you know, promoting the record, you know, going to certain radio stations, I guess, who were at, you know, interested. Um, I got a sticker <laughs> and I got a poster. Oh, shit. I asked for T-shirts so they wouldn't make me T-shirts. Damn. But Levi's made me T-shirts. Okay. Because I, I had a friend who had to connect to Levi's, made some uh, Prince Among Thieves t-shirt. Very limited. Uh, and I got the video, um, which was a... It looks elaborate, but it was like, you know, I got a friend to make the video. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was, you know... I mean, not me, but, you know, they. it's like, we got somebody who can, you know... And in the video, right? So the video kind of starts, or the extended cut of it starts with you kind of sitting down to watch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then young Paul with the hat backwards. Yeah, yeah you look young as shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was twenty years ago. You looked young too, twenty years. Yeah, that's ago. real. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, but when I say you look young, though, I think like you look even younger than you were. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I was thirty, thirty-two. You looked about twenty-four and a half. <laughs> um, so, so the video is kind of this this mashup of different clips. And, yeah. and smaller interludes, you know, of of trying to piece the story together. And I was trying to fool the people. I was trying to make a trailer almost. And that's another reason why I think me as a listener, uh, as a fan, I'm thinking, when do we get the whole movie? I was asking the same question, <laughs> you know. I, I will say, um, just talking about the movie or the concept of having a movie, um, Chris Rock had bought the rights to it. For a little while, I don't know if he still. Maybe it was for a limited time, and he was like, "Yo, I want to film this." So I'm really gassed. Yeah, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. Even as recent like last year, I was like, "Yo, we should do Prince Among Thieves." Come on, man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> send me the script. <laughs> send the script, and he nothing back. I don't think he was interested. I was like, "Man, I can't get this thing made." You know. Well, when you're making this promo video, how are you deciding which songs go in it and which ones don't? Well, I based it off of I made like a uh, like an audio trailer. So if you listen to the back of um, what was it, more than you know, mm-hmm. um, I made like an audio trailer, and it kind of followed the audio trailer, but edited. Got you. Um, so it, to me, it was just the songs that stuck out and the songs that kind of told a story, you know, in a, in a condensed way. Um, and you know, little excerpts, obviously, from the uh, dialogue that I stuck in between. Um, so, but yeah, one thing I have to say about Time Wade, he gave me a lot of freedom to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, you know, on me about anything crazy. Probably because they, 
didn't have much invested. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But I mean, it was, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, though. How was the album received? It was a slow burn Mm -hmm. because it came out and just like everybody, you know, it was mixed. It was like, yeah. But then after a while, the critical acclaim came in. It was like, yo, this is different. This is, this is, this is very bold for somebody to do something like this. It's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. But it, like I said, let's say the record came out in February. By the time people really started to get it, it was at the end of the year, you know? And for a record label, that's... Way too long. It's way too long. They've given up on any efforts. Let's look towards the next record. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Can you make another one? I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> I did get asked that. I was like, asked, can you make another like movie so, so, project like yeah, this? Yeah, so we can do it right. You know what wow. I'm saying? Because now we see that the accolades, even though it's way after, wow, we didn't know it was going to do that. Make another one and we'll, uh, I'm like, I can't do that. Mm. Hence, I made Politics of the Business just based out of, which was the next record after, um, just based out of me being hurt and angry. Now, was that Tommy Boy as well for Politics of the Business? And it started out that way. Okay. But then Tommy Boy had folded at that point. Gotcha. So it went on to Razor and Tie. Gotcha. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was tough. <laughs> it's not easy being an artist out there, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you think it's all glam. You think you're going to be in a studio with champagne. And <laughs> I told you crickets. I told you $20 <laughs> studios. I told you, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, and I think it's, you know, in addition to just the pressures of being an artist, you had the audacity to have all of this extra ass ambition. <laughs> right? Like, Part of the story of this is how bold and big of an idea it was, right? So how does the idea of the ambition of it hit you when you think about it today? It, it doesn't. I don't think about it. I, I, I always say I do me. I, I, why change the formula of what made me Prince Paul? Mm-hmm. And that was Three Feet High and Rising. That's working, obviously starting out with Stet. And I've always like... I ne- this goes back to um, what I have said. I never looked at making music as a career. So for me, it's like, you know, I'm going to do it on my terms. You know, if I fight like this was the end all to be all at the time. And I was like, I got to make it if I don't make it, you know. And that when you have that mindset, that enables you to do anything to make it. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you like this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, eh. I don't tend to making records anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do this. And if I go out, I'm going to work at the post office. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's how I just took it. So in making this, this is my terms. This is how I want to do it. You know, as much as I sit and go, Tommy Boy didn't support, they didn't do whatever, I do give them a lot of credit for taking a chance on this record. Because it's so, risky. Oh, man. It's, it, you know, it, it goes both ways. As much as I can go, oh, man, this is whack. And they... You know, they took a chance. Even it was to entertain the staff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have to do the record. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate the opportunity. You know, um, I just wish I had more support, man, because right now we could be talking about. So, you know, when you when you got the Oscar. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was crazy. I never thought, you know, it, that conversation it hasn't happened. Well, just taking yourself out of it for a moment. If we think about hip hop and we think about how much hip hop has often been concerned with, you know, authenticity, keeping it real, street reporting, you know, 
really being autobiographical. Do you think that it's harder in hip hop to be more ambitious? It is if you care. Mm. You know how I many naysayers? And this is one thing I've never brought up in any of these podcasts. People like, I don't know, Paul, in the process of me making stuff, even Three Feet High and Rising. I don't know. It's a little different. Uh, this is weird. I've got that. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you with um, um, Diary of a Madman or no, with, with Grave Diggers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I got, it's me saying, F it. I like it. I know it's dope. It, and it, it's me putting every record I make since there really is no blueprint is me putting my feelings and everything and it, integrity <laughs> on the line. Well, and I'm willing to do that. Well, g- given that, you know, given that it's so much of you, so much of really who you are and how you think and how you feel like in these projects. And I'm assuming when you're showing this stuff to people, these are people's whose opinion you care about. At least a little bit. Yeah. So when they give you that, eh, you know, that little <laughs> mediocre or whatever, or just outright questioning, ridiculing reaction, how do you stop that from, like, crushing what you're trying to do? Because as artists, we are sensitive. I just keep it pushing. I mean, it's hard for me to say. It's like, you know, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could look at them. They don't know everything. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like... You know, there's got to be more people like me. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're not the only type. You know, there's got to be some kid out there who feels how I feel. Some man, some woman, you know, somebody will will vibrate the same way I vibrate, Mm -hmm. you know, on on, on this particular thing. We might be friends and get along in other ways, but, hey, this is what I want to hear. I've never heard this before. It'd be kind of cool to see this out somewhere. If I saw it in the store, I'd buy it. Right. So I have to think that way. And looking back and after doing the podcast and talking to you, man, I was risky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just that. It's just, man, I put, you put, like say, put your feelings on the line. You as a person, like, you know, they hate me because you, you're having the world at large criticize you. It's not right. just like your friends and you do something local at the house or the community. I have the world going in print. This is corny, negative stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But- Man, what other way to live? Are you going to live for other people, right? Are you just like, oh, man, okay, I'm going to live by your rules and I'm going to do... You'll never know. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll never know. Like, I'd rather know, be a failure on my own terms as much as a success on my own terms. Word. And I've been very fortunate, you know? I thank God, right? I thank God every day. Like, my intention was to go and, like I said, get a regular job. The first check... To now, I have saved, 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 thinking I was going to get a regular job. I'm freaking 52. I'm thinking retirement. <laughs> so I've skipped many years <laughs> of like, oh, I got to save more money, invest my money, save, save, save. Um, thinking I had to go work a regular job. Now was the risk. Like, I, I wasn't sitting here comfortable going, I'm going to be uh, selling music forever and I'm going to be this large and be whatever. Once you get that out your head and you get more comfortable with reality, mm-hmm. I think you become a true artist and a true version of yourself. Because like I said, you, it's not, we'll rap for food. Right. When you get so stuck on people loving you constantly and, and being out there, and you know, you'll, you feel a lot more free, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the part where I'm at. I save my money. I'm not, by no way am I like super rich, but, um, you know, I save money so I don't have to do 
stuff I don't want to do. And I don't want to do stuff that will tarnish my legacy. Like, mm-hmm. I have kids. I don't want to look back like, man, what's your dad? Like, the hot dog man? For such <laughs> and such. And, yeah, well, he had to make his money and then feed us. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> there's a certain pride, too, that I, I want to have. But no I, offense to any hot dog <laughs> man out there. No, but I, I have done weird stuff, too, because I— you don't know until you try. Right. My track record is, and, and I'm not to get off the subject too much, man, I've done kids records, comedy records. I've had a show on XM. I've done some some acting. Like, I, you know, I've done a lot of things. Because mm-hmm. I don't know until I try. Right. If I fail, so be it. At least I know where I stand. Right. Or I might find something out, right? I might sound, well, I didn't know I can do this, you know? So to me, like, that's the... L- best part of life is living it right if i live it for everybody else's terms then that that's horrible well we're gonna bring it to a close in a second but i wanted to ask you like given everything you've talked about how much you put into this project how much it leaned on you as a producer and manager and putting it all together leaned on your relationships you've made with people and how much of a great risk it was, you know what I mean? <laughs> Looking at it now, it seems yeah. like it was a real big risk. What what would it what would it take for you to make like a sequel, for you to do this all over again? A budget and cooperation, hmm. you know, cooperation mostly, because you know, and 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 I can't blame everybody wants money, you right. know what I'm saying? And I don't know if I can get the same passion and commitment that I got back then. Like people were like, even though they only had little parts. They believed in in me. They trusted mm. me enough that even though I got a little part, you're Prince Paul, and I know you're not going to make me look bad. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and this is without giving them like $100,000, you know, to, to fall back on. You know, that my I take this very serious. Like, you know, if you give me something, my life is in your hands for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. You know, your future could be based upon what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, and nobody really looks at it like that. Like, I, I take music very seriously and it's given me so much and I feel indebted to it to give it back and if it's myself or through others you know I have to do right by you Mm -hmm. so that to me uh, the commitment to me is is important because then with commitment I can do it at a low budget (laughs) (laughs) well that's real I'm I'm so glad that music has given enough for you for you to have wanted to take that undertaking in the first place and so painstakingly put together something that is this ambitious. Because I think in hip hop, we don't see enough of that. We don't see enough of people really putting everything on the line like that to try to do something new or think bigger or, you know, try to introduce new concepts. I think it's so much easier to play it safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you got a blueprint or a guideline and, you know, it, but man, the 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 mind is is infinite, mm-hmm. you know, and I and it it saddens me for people to not take advantage of that. And I always tell my kids that it's like my my kids are pretty weird. My son might might be a little more trying to be cool, but you know, it's walk your own beat, mm-hmm. right? Be be you. Have people like you for you. I don't want people like me for the hit. Right. That's why I make different records every time. I could I could replicate something that was popular. I could make me myself and I part two. Right. But then you're just buying it for the hit. You're not buying it because you like me. I want people to like me. I want to come out in a suit and you like me. I want to come out in my slippers and you like me. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's very important for me. So my circle of people is real small. My circle of fans is small. <laughs> but they're, we're all dedicated to each other. Word. It's another amazing piece of work, and I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Thank you. Yeah, man. This has been another episode of What Had Happened Was. 
I'm Open Mike Eagle. That's the one and only Mr. Prince Paul. That's right. And this episode covers The Prince Among Thieves, which you can listen to on all streaming services. Collect all infractions of a penny from Mr. Prince Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys and talk soon. Mm-hmm.